what Brother Billy said about being part of this family. I really like that a lot because it is an honor to be a part of this family. Whether I'm adopted or whatever I am, I'm just glad to be here. Uh, I know that Apologetics Press has for a long time had a great relationship with the church here. Uh, I also live in Wetumpka and worship there, and it has been a joy, uh, the relationship that Wetumpka and Dalreda has had for uh, a number of years, and uh, our youth groups get together, I know, quite a bit. Uh, It was a joy having so many of your young people at camp, at Apologetics Press Camp, just about a month ago or so, and several of your adults were there helping, and we just uh, greatly, greatly appreciate that. I've been assigned the topic tonight, A Christian's View of Technology. A Christian's view of technology. I told Dean just very quickly, I'm not really sure why you all ask me who really doesn't know anything about how technology works to speak on this subject. John Cackleman's back there already laughing. He's thinking, yes, maybe we just wanted to be entertained for this evening. I don't know. I'm not really sure. But let me just go ahead and make this disclaimer at the very beginning. I really don't know the difference between a megabyte and a hertz. I'm still trying to figure out what H-E-R-T-Z means when I see it on the back or, you know, on the, on the uh, covers of different kind of electronics, a hertz, a megahertz, a megabyte, and all that, those things. So maybe you all could enlighten me later. But the truth is I really don't care as long as a device works. And I, I imagine about 90% of us, 95% of us probably fit in that same category. So this is not about you know, being a, uh, a programmer. And so those of you who are computer nerds, no offense to you all, you probably make hundreds of thousands of dollars being a computer nerd, and that's fine. Uh, I can hardly say computer, as you can tell. But uh, this is not about, you know, being a programmer. It's not about the, uh, the nuts and bolts behind technology. It is about really about being a user. And if you live in the 21st century, and all of us do, you are most likely a user of technology. And uh, I'd first like to begin with a point that you might not expect in a lesson like this, but just to give us a little bit of clarity here, and just to help us not be so uh, maybe uh, prone to potentially be somewhat arrogant in this area of uh, technology and in our views about it, I would first just like to mention that the ancients had their own technology. And the ancients were no ignorant you know, dumb nitwits when it came to being able to figure out things. In fact, if you were to open up your Bible to Genesis chapter 4, and I realize that, you know, technology could be defined a little bit differently through the ages, but I think it has a lot to do with science and engineering and creating things or making and building things, especially useful gadgets that allow us to be you know, productive in a certain area. I find it interesting that as early as Genesis chapter 4, you already had people, individuals, pretty cool names, Jabel, Jubal, and Tubal Cain. You had people like Jubal, verse 21 of Genesis 4, who was the father of all those who play the harp and flute. They were already making uh, instruments as early as Genesis chapter 4. I've never made an instrument. I've never been able to really play. I've tried to play an instrument, and it didn't go over all that well either. Uh, Verse 22, notice that there is Tubal-Cain who was, as early as Genesis 4, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. An instructor of what? Of every craftsman in in bronze and iron. Listen, this last weekend I put a blade on a push mower and I thought I had done something. I mean, I unscrewed a bolt and I measured the 
the blade and I went to Lowe's and I bought one and I went back and replaced it. And I was so happy with myself that I, I went ahead and mowed about half the yard for Micah who normally mows our front yard with the push mower. I thought I'd done something because I was able to do that. That's how non-handy I am, okay? I'm just telling on myself, you know, tonight. But isn't it, you can go to a store and you can buy a blade and, and I don't know, some kind of metal that that blade is made out of. As early as Genesis chapter 4, these people were craftsmen in bronze and iron. So just to give us a little bit of clarity, I think, on the history of man and how bright that mankind has been since the beginning of time, God creating Adam and Eve in His image, which I believe had uh, as a part of our understanding of being created in the image of God, I believe, is largely, number one, being different from animals, plants, rocks, water, and everything else on the planet. It has to do with having an immortal soul being created by an eternal spirit. But I think it also has to do with a lot of other things, including having the ability to be creative and having the ability to build upon previous education. In the case of Adam, he didn't have any previous education. He was made or created with the ability to do a lot of things. I mean, Noah built a massive barge, 400, at, at least 450 feet long. may have been longer if the cubit at that time was longer, and it probably was because many of them probably grew, did grow to greater heights than we grow today, at least a number of them. So, um, I mean, they were able to build boats. Listen, I've never built a boat. I've, uh, I've never done what you read in Job chapter 28 when wisdom is being expounded upon and when wisdom is being hailed, especially godly spiritual wisdom. And one of the things that the writer of Job here in chapter 28 talks about is how people have searched for things, even deep things in the earth, and they've been able to bring them out. And of course, the, uh, the whole point of chapter 28 of Job is talking about us needing to search for spiritual wisdom and understand that's the greatest thing that we could ever search for and find. But when you read Job chapter 28, the first uh, a few verses there, you see how amazing mankind is and how he's done all sorts of amazing things for thousands of years. You can go outside of the Bible and see where, for example, the Egyptians, uh, they built, among other things, a nearly 500 foot high pyramid, the Great Pyramid, that to this day we don't really fully understand how they could have, have done it. Well, so the ancients, they knew something. No, they knew a lot of things about a lot of things. And they were able to, though they may not have iPhones, may not have had iPhones and computers and iPads and all the sorts of things that we have today. Maybe they didn't have the telegraph system then. And maybe they didn't have cassette tapes and rotary dial phones. Do you remember these things, by the way? I mean, technology, you have to admit, technology has, I mean, we have advanced in just the last couple of decades, two or three decades, to think how far we've come. It's really kind of scary, a little bit intimidating. I mean, when I think, when I was a little kid, I'm 41 years old, so I don't know, about 30, 35 years ago, I would go up to southwest Missouri to my grandmother's house, and sometimes I would pick up the phone. I don't remember at this time if I was just playing around or if I thought I was going to call someone. Rotary dial phone, kind of like that one right there. And there would be someone already talking on the other line. Because they, my grandmother shared a line with her neighbors. And you talk about needing a lesson on being careful what you hear your neighbors say and not being you know, a person who is trying to you know, spread rumors and those kinds of things. That would have been a good lesson back then, just as it would be today. But, I mean, communication, technology. Listen, when I was at Freed Hardeman just about 21, 22 years ago, 
I had never heard of the internet or email. I see, I started, uh, John, in the fall of 94. You started a year or two later, I think, if I remember correctly. I had never heard of the internet or email. Maybe that's because I'm from Oklahoma and we just were a, a decade or so behind. I don't know. But um, I got to Freed Hardeman. I mean, that, that's not that long ago. And, I mean, can you imagine, our young people, could you imagine going a day without being able to text, without being able to phone someone, to be able to, or at least without sharing a phone line with your, you know, maybe your neighbors next door, to uh, not be able to email someone. Samuel Morse's code and telegraph system was uh, made, I don't know, about 150, 200 years ago or so. Technology's been around. Technology's been around for a long time. We've advanced in major ways in the last few years. And for the remainder of our time this evening in this period, and, and I don't know for sure how this has been treated throughout the summer, but I would be happy to treat this as, as a class if there are some words of wisdom that you would like to impart to us. But I'd like to uh, kind of the first half of this, or maybe we'll call it the second third, I want to talk about helpful technology and how it can be a blessing to Christians in the tw- 21st century. And then we'll talk about some concerning things in the latter part of this, uh, this class time together. First of all, I'd like to say how awesome it is that you can have electronic Bibles and Bible programs. I mean, I hope that you uh, have the opportunity to uh, download these things, to have them on your computers and use them. For a number of years, I have used PC Study Bible. I don't go around and just recommend it all the time, but this has been the, the one that I've used for probably 15 or 20 years. And you can tell I'm not really a tech guy because one of the things that I do not enjoy very much are updates. And so I'm one of these guys... Uh, Dan, I'm one of these guys who I will hold off. In fact, my phone has been telling me for days, weeks, I don't know, you know, update, update, update. No, because as soon as I update, I'm not going to understand where this button leads and where that goes. Can I get a show of hands? How many of you just loathe some of those updates? And so I've been using the same computer program for years, and if I have to get some kind of thing to fix this so I can keep using it on this computer, I do. And But, I mean, this is amazing. I I can sit down, and I do pretty much every day at Apologetics Press and a lot of times at home. I'm able to compare eight different Bible translations at the same time. I'm able to use a number of different commentaries. There are dozens and dozens, probably even hundreds, when I combine my PC study Bible with Logos, Hundreds of books, Bible commentaries, Bible encyclopedias, dictionaries, Greek and Hebrew helps that are just there at our fingertips. I mean, that is... When, when you think about the history of the Lord's people, when you think about the Lord's church in the last 2,000 years, and you think about what we have at our fingertips to use, I would just like to encourage us to actually use these things. It's amazing to me how, um, how many of us have access to so much technology... So many devices, and we spend a lot of time on those things, and yet so often we fail to use them for the things that they would best be used for. And by the way, in my logos, I have, uh, I have McGarvey's fourfold commentary. I have E.W. Bullinger's book about this thick, if you have it in print, on just figures of speech in the Bible. And so, um, you know, in this day and time, as you probably know, our physical libraries are not growing nearly as fast as they used to because we're able to get so much so easily 
online. You can get a good audio Bible or a number of good audio Bibles on your phone, on your iPod, on your computer. And usually if you have it on your computer and, and you sync up with uh, your electronic devices, then you have it on your, uh, your devices to go. How many of us are using those things? I mean, what better stuff to listen to than the Word of God in a 15, on a 15-minute drive or 20-minute drive to downtown Montgomery to work or back home to Wetumpka? And so, uh, you know, this, this audio Bible that you could have on there, you could listen to the entire Bible in about the same number of hours that the average teenager uses electronics in one week. I read an article a few years ago. Uh, this is uh, from the Harrison Group. They said, and this was just a few years ago, so it's not as recent as 2017, but they said that the average teenager and probably the average adult close to this uses some type of electronic device, whether TV, computer, iPod, uh, iPhone, etc., smartphones, 72 hours a week. And that may sound outrageous, but then I, you know, I started thinking the other day, well, the first thing I see when I get up is my phone. The last thing I see before I go to bed is my wife and, and then my phone, or my phone and then my wife, because I set my alarm for the next morning. I wake up to my alarm. I, I have my phone with me the rest of the day. It is a pretty much continual communication device, especially with family. It is a device that I can communicate with my colleagues on at work and with people from church. And, and so when you think about just phones and then you add television and you add computers and you add all the other electronic devices, in fact, we're using technology right now. So this would be a part of the 72 hours in this study that they did that people were using technology. Well, do you know you could listen to the Bible on CD or in a digital format in about 70, 72 hours. Man, you want to talk about some great Bible classes and sermons that you could put on your, uh, on your electronic devices? Uh, I mean, these are some of my favorite preachers from the past. In fact, this current one right here, I know he's a little scruffy sometimes, but he's really a good guy, preaches at, uh, at Wetumpka. Uh, some of these men, they, I have literally hundreds of hours of Bible classes and sermons by several of these guys and, and, and many others. I was at Polishing the Pulpit a few years ago and they gave away a course that Alan Hires taught on the book of Revelation. You know what I did? I took that, I made sure I stayed, whatever I needed to do to get that for free and they were handing it out to those who were, attended a Polishing the Pulpit. And I went home and I plugged it in on my computer and made sure I had it all synced up and I could sync it up to my iPod. And now, you know what, what I'm going to do next time I teach the book of Revelation? Probably going to listen to a lot of what Brother Alan Hires taught in his class to see if that would be helpful, beneficial in my studies and in my future teaching as well. I got a whole, uh, sermon, a whole a series of lessons that Dan Winkler did at a, a church in Georgia as he preached a meeting on just the gospel plan of salvation. I mean, so we could use technology to build up the church, to build up ourselves in the most holy faith and to help other people. I mean, what, what a great way to help non-Christians. What a great way to help... Uh, edify, build up the church by handing out, giving away some of this kind of uh, material in digital format that people could benefit from. You know, another thing that uh, we use in a very positive, helpful way, technology, is um, uh, a lot of the uh, software and a lot of the devices, for lack of a better term, again, I'm just a user, not really understanding some of these terms I'm using tonight, okay? Uh, but uh, some of the programs that are out there to help clean up some of the uh, problems, mess, that you see oftentimes coming out of those who are producing movies and television shows and things such as this. 
I imagine a lot of you have probably heard of ClearPlay or TV Guardian or VidAngel. Uh, if you are one who's ever going to watch a television show or a movie, and that's probably at least 90 to 95% of us in here, these can be some great programs to use or software or whatever you all tell me to call this that makes sense. Uh, to, uh, in fact, just this last weekend, we, my family and I, we watched a movie. We went to VidAngel. We uh, selected the movie we wanted to watch. I think VidAngel now uses Netflix and Amazon.com. And basically, it takes that movie and it filters out everything that you want filtered out of it that is questionable. And they, they even let you go through and see the questionable parts or they describe them and you can just click through. Very, I mean, how cool is this technology? I mean, that's really neat. I'm sure my parents wish when I was growing up that they had access to this kind of technology. My experience has been a lot of families in the Lord's Church, they either don't know about this kind of technology or maybe they do know about it and they don't use it. And if they don't use it and yet they're watching a lot of television shows and movies that have a lot of things in it that Christians really don't have any business soaking up and immersing ourselves in, then I would encourage you to take a serious look at some of, this, uh, some of these kind of devices. And then uh, let me go back to this one, Internet Filtering and Accountability Software. By the way, I, I greatly appreciate the invitation to be here tonight, and I appreciate the topic that was assigned, but I must admit this is much more of a class than a sermon tonight. And if you know me very well, you know I like to preach, and I like to go through a text of Scripture, but this is a little more topical and uh, we're going to look at some, uh, some things here in just a few moments where we can make more application of some of the Scriptures. Of course, we can do that now when we think about Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, about thinking on those things that are pure, uh, that are uh, noble, that are lovely, that are of a good report, that are true, that are virtuous. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. So when we think about that, when we think about the passage, blessed are the pure in heart, when we uh, think about... Uh, being careful about the things that we allow in our minds through all sorts of media, then uh, we can take the Scriptures and apply it to these kinds of things, but I must admit this is a little bit more like a class than a, uh, than a sermon tonight. But, you know, this one, I have found that a lot of people are not using a lot of the Internet filtering and accountability software that is available today. And there is a lot available today. I think we started using it in our family, oh, I don't know, I'm guessing five or six, seven years ago. can't remember exactly. We started with Covenant Eyes, and we've been using Covenant Eyes ever since. And so what Covenant Eyes does is it allows uh, the parents or even spouses, the husband and the wife, as we're you know, trying to help each other in our journey toward heaven and being careful about things that we may be tempted to look at that we don't need to. Uh, Covenant Eyes documents uh, where people go on the Internet in your uh, accountability cluster, you might call it, and so parents can watch what the kids are doing, what they're surfing, what they're looking at. Husbands and wives can have accountability to each other by using this kind of software. And there's a lot of other, and it may be that there's a lot of software out there that's much better than what we are using. Like I told you, once I kind of get into something, I really don't like to change because I really don't want to have to go through all the hassle of changing it. So we've been using it for a number of years. There is a cost to it. I think it costs our family something like $15 a month. And, you know, I don't really like paying $15 a month for it. I'm going to tell you something, $15 a month for some peace of mind in this day and time when you can literally, at a touch of a button, go places that we have no business going. It's that easy for Satan to tempt us 
to look at things, hear things, watch things, and be involved in things that Satan would love nothing more than for us to be involved in. But um, I remember the Apostle Paul talking to the Corinthians, saying, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. It may be that there are a lot of Christians, maybe a lot right here this evening, who think, well, you know, I'm never going to... I think we ought to be careful saying we're never going to. You know, my experience has been with, with men, with the average man that I talk to, that I have come in contact with, especially good friends who may talk about maybe a little bit more uh, detailed matters, more sensitive matters. You know, what, what life has taught me is most men struggle with the same kinds of things. And so if most of our brothers in Christ are struggling with some of the same sins, maybe we could use some of the uh, technology that's available to us to help us be accountable. I've, I've counseled a number of people who struggle with pornography. And one of the things I tell them is, you need, we need accountability. It's one thing to say, and we want to be able to say, hey, you know, we, uh, we want to do right. And I have a goal of pleasing my God. I love Him. I want to serve Him. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And I want, to, uh, I want to follow Him regardless of the consequences. And I want to deny myself. I want to die to the old man. I want to live anew. And those are what we are about as Christians. But, you know, if it's possible for us to travel through this life as pilgrims, and be able to have the ability through friends, through networks, through the church, to have some accountability through family. It seemed like to me, as I counsel various ones who have struggled with this difficulty, hey, let's, with a friend, with a family member, with a, a husband, a wife, someone, let's, let's help each other be accountable instead of just always being off to ourselves and never having the accountability that could be very helpful to us as we struggle with various, various things. Last thing I want to point out in regards to helpful technology is just the, the, the thousands, maybe tens of thousands, I don't know, of websites that are out there that could be very helpful that I hope that you have, maybe several of you have, catalog them and are able to access them very easily. Um, you can go to apologeticspress.org where there are thousands of articles and a different media files that could be very helpful to you. We've got an alleged discrepancy category, America's culture war, creation versus evolution, where there would be hundreds of articles under that subject matter, the deity of Christ, doctrinal matters, and so forth. Uh, so uh, I hope that you'll make use of websites such as this. We have the uh, Discovery Magazine website. We also have a magazine, or excuse me, a website for kids where they can just read the Bible, read through the Bible chapter by chapter, and take quizzes that are available and through the entire Bible and a number of other books that would be helpful. There are Spanish websites such as ours and the other one that uh, Moises Pinedo, I say the other one because this was basically created mostly by Moises Pinedo. And of course he has his uh, also today. I know you all have a great interest in that. Sorry about this. See, I told you I'm, just, I'm, I'm not even a good user of technology. This thing just keeps going back and forth here. One of my favorite websites is Wayne Jackson's Christian Courier that can be very helpful to people who have Bible questions about a lot of matters, and a lot of his articles would be a little more general in nature than some of those from Apologetics Press. Apparently, I'm hitting these buttons twice instead of once. The Gospel Broadcasting Network has 24-hour uh, live feed on their, on their website where you can just see 
uh, lesson after lesson, hear Bible lesson, Bible class, sermon, helpful, helpful Bible material. House to House has thousands of uh, different things on their website that can be helpful. Uh, Jody Apple's website is uh, a little different than this now. I made this slide some time ago, but uh, you could visit his, thebible.net, and be very edified and built up in a number of ways. Okay, so the last uh, five or ten minutes here, uh, by the way, I put a picture of Del Rada's website up here. I don't know who, who runs your website, Dean. Is that Mr. Cackleman? He's one of the ones that runs that. Well, hey, you know, props to you, John. That really it is a good-looking website. And, hey, in the 21st century, and I imagine you probably have some help in areas, at least some counseling. Everyone just give John some counsel tonight. Go ahead and tell him everything you like about, some good counsel that you like about the website. Just overwhelm him with compliments and maybe... Uh, Maybe he will keep doing this for the next decade or two because that's a service when you have someone who's willing to do what, what he's doing there. But uh, that is a great tool that can be used for the church and in evangelism. Social media can be very helpful. I put up here with Tumka's Facebook page. We are this coming Sunday going to begin live streaming our services, especially the, the lessons on the website, or excuse me, on Facebook. You all may already do that. I don't know for sure, but we're hoping to do that. That way our members who are sick and at home, or maybe if they're traveling and they're uh, hundreds of miles away from the nearest congregation perhaps, uh, they would be able to uh, worship with us online. Social networks can serve great purposes. They can be nice, easy ways to stay in touch with family and friends, educational, a source of support, and a quick and inexpensive way to advertise uh, and a way to edify and evangelize. I went through those very rapidly because I want to get to the next slide uh, before the, the end of our time together. Uh, so these, these are some, some great ways to use social networks, and, and it can be a, a wonderful tool for the church and for individual Christians. At the same time, technology, cell phones, the Internet, social media can be very dangerous. And this is where we're going to kind of conclude tonight. If we're not extremely careful, if we're not extremely vigilant watchful, then the devil's going to use technology to hurt us individually, to hurt our families, and to hurt the Lord's church, the cause of Christ. I mean, I wish that were not the case. Now, since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve fell in the garden, Satan has been hard at work. And he has been tempting people to do all sorts of things since the beginning of time. And he's really tempting us with the same kinds of general temptations today, except because of the advances in technology, the, the temptations, I don't know if you can say that they are, are more severe or that they are just different, but they are quite different than they have been in some ways in the past. I mean, in some ways I understand they are the same, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But in other ways more than ever before, it seems, temptations, it, 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 we're so easily tempted because, well, because we have these devices at our fingertips literally every waking hour. If not extremely careful, let me just make the point that, that these, the technology can, can, can easily be a waste of money. You know the average person I read recently from an article, I believe it was on LinkedIn, said that the average person spends over $2,000 a year on technology. 
Isn't it easy how the Christian, how sometimes we can spend money so easily on technological devices that we, quote-unquote, have to have? And yet sometimes how difficult it may be to actually give what the Lord wants us really to give. So I'd just like to make just the general point, really, that sometimes... Uh, technology can just be a waste of money because we think that every new TV that comes out, every new phone, I mean, you know the splash that is made when every new iPhone comes out? They just want people to line up just because it's new and because it has the latest what? Because it has, I don't know, an upgraded text app on it or something? Uh, I'm not sure if it's, is that that right, Daniel? It's just the, the next app that comes out and yes. So you've got to spend another 500 bucks for another iPhone. Well, if we're not careful, we're going to just become a, an unjust steward or not so good steward because we're going to be spending so much of our money. And then once we get those possessions, let me just say that once we have those possessions, we are a steward of something that God has given us. I mean, we're a steward of the money that God gives us. Everything we have is God's. I mean, that's not only taught in Psalm 24, Psalm 50, Matthew chapter 25. The, the parable of the talents is, hey, we're stewards of that which is the master's. And he's going to come back and he's going to hold us accountable for how we use those things that he allowed us to have, whether it be the money or whether it be the possessions. I, I find it quite interesting that we have... All sorts of technology, we have all sorts of devices, we have computers, we have things at our fingertips that cost thousands of dollars oftentimes, hundreds of dollars, and when you take all of them together, thousands of dollars. And how much of the time, which may be the next point up here, how much of the time, how much time are we spending actually being productive with all of these things. And so you have money involved. You have the actual possessions involved. You have our time involved. And in light of biblical principles and teaching about stewardship in general, when you think about the average person, how much time we're spending on and with technology... Some of that, maybe a lot of that is necessary depending on school and jobs and what other kind of things that we're uh, using them for. But I would just like for us to consider this subject matter in view of the fact that we're all stewards and we're all going to give an account before God how we use everything that's His. The earth is His and the fullness thereof, everything. The only reason we have technology is because God created the world And God created man in such a way where technology was developed. Ultimately, it's a gift from God. And it can be used, as we've already noted, for a lot of good things. But if we're not careful, we're going to find ourselves wasting a lot of money on it that we don't really have to, or wasting the possessions themselves in that we we get these possessions and maybe we have a lot of noble ideas uh, and we have a lot of noble things that we're going to use them for. And then we never get around to using them for those noble reasons because we're spending so much time doing other things. Let me just tell our young people that one of the greatest things you can use technology on is to call your parents when you are away from them. 
Okay, even if you're in college, or maybe you're just a young adult and your parents live in Timbuktu, just use that technology to let them know. And if someone has a way to, to uh, for me as a parent to uh, make sure I get that through my kids, if you have a way you've done that, then let me know because my kids have not figured that out yet, especially my sons. I don't know if it's a cool factor thing or what, but it's like, and if I do ever get anything from them, it's like, yes and no, that's about it. I'm not sure why that's the case, but... And let me also just add that as a father of three teenagers, this is a, a humbling subject matter to, to really discuss. But guys, it really is. As much as I like to preach and maybe not deal with a topical subject like technology, I must, I must admit, I mean, this is a very important subject for parents to consider in this day and time. Because a lot of children are growing up in this day and time much differently than the way that a lot of parents and grandparents in here grew up. And they're facing temptations that many of us never faced. And I must, I must say to you, to our young people, that I'm thankful. I'm really thankful that I didn't have this growing up. Because as much as I would like to think that I would be mature in the way that I would handle these matters, I look at all the potential temptations with these things... And I think, wow, just the waste of time and the unwise things that are said with technology. I mean, when I hear God's Word tell us, now let's be, James 1.19, swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. When I hear Jesus say that for every idle word that men may speak, they will get, give account of it in the day of judgment. For every idle word that men may speak. And then I think about how much idle time is spent with technology and social media and smartphones and how much both young people and adults are wasting their words and they're using the God-given speech that they have and communication abilities to become idle and vain talk, talkers and to become maybe sometimes the very people that the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, was warning some of those individuals or when he was talking to Timothy about those who would be idle and gossipers, being gossipers in part because they had so much time on their hands and the opportunities that were there. I'm, I'm thankful because I, I'm afraid that I would have spent a little too much time as a young person being an idle talker. I mean, I spent seven hours a day at school, played sports with a lot of guys, and spent a lot of time with friends that if we had all had our iPhones out at that time, there would have been things said that would have hurt people's feelings, that would have been unkind, that would have not been from a tender-hearted Ephesians chapter 4 mindset. So technology can, can be a waste of words. And finally, it can be a waste of innocence. As we've already noted, technology and using it in ungodly ways has severely hurt individuals, homes, marriages. Here's a statement that I got from Parenting the Internet Generation, an online book from the U.S. Department of Justice a few years ago, they stated, this was, again, a few years ago, they stated, never before in the history of telecommunications media 
in the United States has so much indecent and obscene material been so easily accessible by so many minors in so many American homes with so few restrictions. Continued use of online pornography is listed as a major, I believe, again, this is from the same source, if I remember correctly, parenting the Internet generation, as a major factor in over 50% of divorce cases. So again, it's not just impacting young people. It's impacting people who are adults, who are married. Right now, I'm thinking of a young, well, not a young couple anymore, but a husband and wife back in Oklahoma where I grew up where... In this case, it wasn't the man, it was the woman who began to see things, view things online that caused her to have, eventually, have an adulterous relationship and their marriage sadly ended. I uh, know of an elder in the Lord's Church in Nashville, Tennessee. He and his wife do a lot of counseling with husbands and wives. And uh, my wife is much closer to this family than I am. She was in school with their daughter at Freed Hardeman years ago, and they told her that the vast majority of the marital counseling that they do, the root problem that they get to, at least one of the main problems, is the problem, at least with one of them, that one of them has had in the past or currently with pornography. So I submit to you that there are a lot of dangers out there, dangers that you know all too well. And, uh, you know, some of us, some of you are are sitting here tonight, maybe you're thinking, a Christian's view of technology. Let me tell you what my view of technology is. Some of you sitting here right now, you may be thinking, I wish we didn't have any of it. I think that's Frank Chester's view, right? I don't think Frank Chester knows what a PowerPoint is, but he sure is a good good preacher. Um, There are other people who say, man, I like to use technology all the time. It's great. And it certainly can be. I do. I use it every day except when I'm at church camp and I love being able to put my phone in the cabin and not getting it out and being able to tell people, sorry, I was at camp, we don't get good reception. That phone just goes over there. Kids aren't to have it. By the way, you know one of the reasons I love church camp, at least where we go at Indian Creek Youth Camp, one of the rules is kids can't have cell phones. Man, I mean, you know, as, as an adult who looks around at these kids who cannot have an electronic device out for about a week, Sunday through Friday morning. We usually give them back to them on Thursday night so they can charge them up on their way home. But to see these kids interacting in a way one week out of the year that they normally are not interacting that way 51 weeks out of the year, that's one of the reasons I love camp. But the fact is we do live in a technologically advanced age And I submit to you that some of these matters we really need to be thinking on a whole lot more. Both how we can use these things for good and the church just continuing to to use these things for good. And there will be a lot of different ways probably in the future. If the Lord doesn't return, we're going to be able to use technology for the advancement of the kingdom. I believe that if Jesus and the apostles and the first century prophets were alive today, I believe they would be using all sorts of uh, media and all sorts of technology to advance the cause of Christ. But as individual Christians, as families, as families that make up the local churches as the body of Christ, elders, deacons, ministers, Bible class teachers, hey, let's, let's be aware of the fact that these are causing, have caused a lot of problems with people's spiritual lives with families, with marriages, and let's try to help each other in this area. 
Are there any comments? Before? I don't know if our time is up yet, but I'd be happy. Dean, we have a couple of minutes here. I'd be happy to take any, uh, any comments that you have. I don't know if this is a custom or customary or not, but if that's, if that's okay, I'd be happy to do that. Other, other than, than that, uh, we can certainly close on that note. I'm going to have a prayer for us, but really, anybody have anything? I know in a, in a lesson that's this long, you're probably sitting there, you had a few, you know what happens oftentimes, I'll get through speaking or teaching in a class, this happens at Wetumpka all the time, and somebody will come up to me afterwards and say this profound thing or just a very wise comment or something that I didn't say in the class, I'm like, why didn't you say that in class? So don't do that tonight. All right, if there's nothing else, I'm going to lead us in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so very much for allowing us to gather here this evening. Thank you for this body of believers that meets here at Delrada. Thank you for their leadership. Thank you for uh, the individuals and families that make up this congregation. Such a joy to gather together and to uh, meditate on uh, important things, spiritually important things. Please help us as individual Christians, dear God, to use our time wisely, our money, our possessions, uh, to understand the importance of holiness and being set apart. Help us, Father... uh, to not give in to the temptations that are around us. Help us to be wise and help us to seek out help when we need it. Help us to be humble and recognize that uh, we are not uh, able to uh, just be able to conquer anything and everything apart from you, but we know that with you, with your help, with your word, with the wisdom that comes from you and with the help of the people that we are allowed to fellowship with on a regular basis, that you will provide us a a way of escape. And when it comes to different sins and temptations that are at the door, we thank you for providing that for us. That is the way of escape and help uh, when we are in need. Father, we pray that you would please forgive us of our sins. Please help us to use technology now and in the future in a way that is glorifying to you. Uh, We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.